2: on today's episode of locked on raptors the toronto raptors fall in kyle lowry's emotional return to toronto we will dig into why it was the defense that fell apart for the raptors in this one and how they really could have used some og and against this heat offense plus we'll dig into the kyle lowry return tribute everything that went into it it was just a beautiful night unforgettable night here in toronto we will talk all about that and so much more coming up on today's on location episode of locked on raptors thanks for being here oh that because I shot i expected to make it so like, i don't mm-hmm. shoot kind of mess so. you are locked on raptors part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Sean Woodley here for episode number 1151 of Locked On Raptors. For uh, what the hell day is it? Monday, April the fourth. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I just said that I'm very out of sorts here. I'm not recording in my office. I'm at the arena, so apologies if I'm out of my comfort zone. But uh, this is uh, your latest episode of. Locked on Raptors. You can find me at Raptors HQ. You can find my work on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can find the show at Lockdown Raptors on Twitter as well. And you can go to all the different podcast apps and subscribe, follow, rate, review, all that good stuff. It's much appreciated when you take the time to support the show. Wherever you get your podcasts, it's free on all platforms and uh, on YouTube if you go and hit the big red subscribe button there. It really, really tickles my fancy. It makes me quite happy. So thank you in advance for doing that and apologies again for uh, this uh, clunky start to the show. Uh, uh, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online has covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts, more on them a little bit later on. Uh, and as always, a big thank you for making us your first listen of the day. All right, we've got a lot to get to. I hope the audio is okay. I got the mic kind of in a weird spot, but we're dealing with it here at Scotiabank Arena following the Raptors 114 109 loss to the Miami Heat. Of course, Kyle Lowry's Miami Heat. And this was a really fun night, all told. I mean, yes, the Raptors lost, and they could have performed better, and we'll dig into some of the things that went wrong. Uh, You know, biggest takeaway, we'll get into the defense and how things really fell off the rails with no OG and an OB in this one. Uh, But really, this was just an awesome night to be in the building kind of it felt a little bit normal even though it's entirely abnormal watching kyle Lowry play in this building in a new jersey uh it did feel like a big event though and that's kind of the thing that's been missing here uh in toronto for a while there have been some big games there have been some exciting moments this one really felt like walking into the arena it felt like an event you saw Lowry jerseys all over the place on the street it really was uh you know the kind of night that no one's ever going to forget and the result of the game is going to be sort of an afterthought in history. Uh, we're going to talk about the, the tribute video and everything that went into the Kyle stuff at the back part of the show. Spoiler alert, the Raptors had uh, not a ton of great performers in this game, so instead of a due to the game from the Raptors, we're just going to give a due to the game to like the Game Ops team, I guess, or Kyle Lowry himself. Uh, we'll get to that later on, though. First, though, should dig into the biggest takeaway from this game, and for me, it's just... <laughs> without OG Anunoby this defense becomes a lot less scary. Yes, they performed well defensively in the time where he was still out leading up to his return a couple weeks ago, but they are just a different beast when they have OG on the floor and it really came to bear in this one. You know, Nick Nurse talked about it after the game, Fred VanVleet talked about it after the game. The Raptors lost what they've really found defensively recently, which is just like a level of what is it like connectivity when it comes to the way they play defense that we haven't really seen since frankly like 2019-20 way back when the raptors were inspiring think pieces around the nba with their number two ranked defense and their extremely aggressive scheme that relies so heavily on rotating filling in the vacated space filling in the space that the guy who filled in the previously vacated space has now vacated on the back side and the rotations in this one were just way off. A really sort of standout moment from this game was in the fourth quarter when Omer Yurtseven from the Heat, it might have been the third, it was in the second half regardless. Uh, Omer yurtseven I think it was the start of the fourth, now that I'm going back and taking up my notes. Um, but, you know, there was a few possessions there. Tyler Hero was pretty heavy on the ball in this one. He had almost a triple-double, 18-10-8 and eight in this one. Uh, and the Raptors were quite aggressive in sending two to Tyler Hero because he really was their best avenue to good looks this game there was no jimmy butler in this one for the heat so their half court offense really was driven by kyle lowry and by tyler hero and they also did a pretty damn good job of getting it on the run as well as they turned this game around in the second half but in the fourth quarter there was this section of the game where they were sending a ton of attention towards hero and it just ended up three consecutive possessions kind of inexplicably it landed with omer yurt seven under the basket with nobody around him or a guy way too small to be guarding a guy of yurt size. And it was just six easy points for year seven. And honestly, like, kind of swung this game. But the Raptors, you know, the first half, they were on a string. They looked fantastic. And they, you know, they were switching. They were doing everything that they typically do to affect the other team's offense. And obviously, the Heat coming to this game their defense is well regarded we know all about the heat's defense the number four in the league coming into this game but they have really struggled in the half court they've been super dependent on tyler hero of course they've had some rough shooting from the likes of jimmy butler they don't have a ton of guys who've been able to break the defense down and get to the basket you know even kyle lowry He's thirty-six years old. He's not, you know, the Kyle Lowry of old. Even though he very much looked like it at moments of this game, but like as far as dribble penetration goes and getting the Raptors in a compromised position, Hero was kind of their only avenue to it, and they really found it in the second half. In addition, you know, they were running off of Raptors makes like crazy in the second half of this game. Um, You know, Lowry, of course, was the Key sort of uh, straw stirring that drink as well. A uh, couple, you know, leak out passes, a, a touchdown pass you threw to Cody Martin at one point. Um, you know, j- just a really masterful second half from Larry in this one. He ends up with 16 points, 10 assists. Uh, you know, a, a quintessential Larry game, and like the sort of back and forth that you saw between him and Fred in this one was just beautiful. And uh, like looking in a mirror and a slightly like a more aged version of yourself in the mirror, it was beautiful. Uh, but. Yeah, just the defensive integrity really fell off in this one. And to tie this back to OG Ananobi, I mean, OG just makes everything easier for the Raptors when he's on the floor. He's able to take those slippery guards like a hero or a Lowry. And no one else on the team outside of Fred VanVleet has really shown an acumen for that this season. Siakam will do it. There were moments tonight where he guarded Kyle Lowry, and it was really fun watching those guys go at it with one another. Lots of, uh, I think, flops on both end, <laughs> both ends when they, uh, you know, were initiating contact and stuff like that. But. Really, without OG, it all kind of falls on Fred Van Vliet. And, and, you know, shout out to Fred. I mean, he was really good in this game. He had 29 points. He looked more like Fred Van Vliet than he's looked in quite a while on the offensive end. We've seen some nice signs the last couple of games, you know, a little bit more burst. Obviously, the defensive efforts from him have been fantastic lately. He had 12 steals over his last three games coming into this one, 10 over his last two. Uh, but in this one, you know. When you only have Fred as your sort of key guy to throw on the lead ball handler for the other team and you have a two-headed monster at Hero and Larry kind of turning things around in the second half, you know, not having OG to just say, all right, OG, you go deal with Hero and we'll figure it out from there. You know, everything kind of falls back into place when OG is at the head of the snake like that. And, you know, he obviously helps big time with the rotations as well. And he's great at, you know, with the hands when guys are getting into the, you know, in sort of close to the paint, he can dig down, he can force those deflections and steals and turnovers and all of that. And it just was not something the Raptors were able to conjure enough tonight. You know, the Raptors did well. They had three, three, 12 steals in this game. That's kind of right around where they typically would go. Three steals for Fred, three for Trent, two for Siakam, two for Barnes. It's kind of what you're looking for night to night but they weren't running with the same sort of ferocity that they have been recently when they've really kind of gotten that turnover machine rolling. uh, And they just, you know, they didn't quite have the juice offensively to strike back when the Heat kind of got their flow going in the second half through their transition and through the half-court offense that just was getting way too many open looks uh, as a result of the Raptors' sort of lackadaisical rotations. Nick Nurse talked about it after the game. He said it's like the worst he's seen them play defense in quite a while, and I totally agree. It really was kind of baffling. It was back to like the early season, some of the worst that you'll see from the Raptors' defense where – you know, all the attention goes towards one or two guys, and then it switches over, and, and, and you know, the, the the ball gets swung to the other side, and all of a sudden, Max Struess is burying a three on you. Boy, oh, boy, Max Struess uh, drives me insane. <laughs> In this game, he started he at 23 points, seven of nine from three. Like, you're just not really going to survive when Max Struess is going seven of nine from three against you, especially when Victor Oladipo is coming off the bench and going six of nine from three. It's just like a pretty insurmountable amount of three-point shooting To overcome when those guys are humming the way they are, Uh, 18 of 38 overall for the heat in this one, and and the Raptors just couldn't keep pace. Um, you know, we'll get into some thoughts on the Raptors' offense in this one in the box court notes section. We'll run through some guys and some thoughts, but uh, yeah, not having OG really kind of sunk the Raptors in this one. And had they had him around, I think this probably ends up being a bit of a different game, not just because of his defense, but because of the offensive side of the ball, which we'll get into in just a second as well. Before we do that, though, I do want to tell you about our good friends over at Built Bar. Of course, we've talked about Built Bar on the podcast for years now, quite literally years, but it's because we love them and we'll keep on coming back for Built Bars as long as they'll keep on having us. It really is a wonderful catch-all to help limit your snacking. I'm such a bad snacker. Guess what? It's a late night. It's like 11 o'clock at night as I'm recording this. I'm going to want a snack as I go home and get me get home at midnight or whatever it's going to be. I'm going to be hankering for something, and good thing I've got some built Bars in my fridge because that's what I'm going to be going for. Uh, they're also great as a meal replacement in the morning. If you don't like a heavy breakfast, you want to have something before a workout, whatever it might be, Built Bar is the bar for you. They taste great. They don't have that gritty, sandy quality that a lot of built Bars or a lot of protein bars have. No built Bars have the, the same Quality quality because they're all delicious and they have great flavors that everyone can enjoy from fruity flavors to more uh sort of nice confections like mint brownie. You've got nut and nut-free flavors for those who have allergies or those who like a nut flavor and do not have an allergy. You can all enjoy a built bar. Go check them out at built.com. Use the promo code Locked15 to get 15% off your order. That's the promo code Locked15 for 15% off at built.com Go check them out.
3: No matter what moves you made last year. And we continue
2: on here with your first listen of the day, breaking down the Raptors' loss to the Miami Heat, 114-109, right here inside Scotiabank Arena, as uh, I don't think they're turning it over to the hockey rink today, I think the the leave you on the road, but uh, it's very uh, cavernous and echoey in here, so I apologize to anyone around me who's hearing me, but whatever, I might be the last person in the building who's not cleaning. Regardless, uh, box score notes from this game let's run through some thoughts on the guys in this one i mean pascal siakam is the place to start uh another heavy minutes total for him 43 minutes in this one for siakam but they needed him for all of it because the heat are a very good defensive team yes they didn't have jimmy butler no dwayne deadman no pj tucker in this game but the heat really and no gabe Vincent either who's been a real pain in the ass for the raptors this season so it was nice not to see game gabe vincent but with the way the Heat play defense, with the way they'll switch everything, with the way Bam at is just like an absolute world wrecker. I mean, he's got his misgivings on the offensive end for sure. And, you know, I think it was pretty clear the gulf between Siakam and Bam in terms of, you know, their, their creation and playmaking in this one. I mean, Pascal was just incredible with the ball in his hands in this one. And it was made even more incredible by the fact that the Heat Are no slouches defensively like i said fourth in the league coming in to this game on the defensive side of the ball and siakam i thought really took some time to ease into this one for sure but by the time this game rounded out it was kind of the same story we've seen with him time after time this year where there's just nothing you can really do with him as a defense except hope that the guys he's passing to are going to miss their threes and they did in this game you know the Raptors did not have the greatest shooting game they were 12 of 39 from three to 31 percent uh you had Scotty Barnes taking nine threes in this game and boy I love Scotty Barnes with the eagerness to put the threes up uh, after the game Siakam was asked about Barnes's eagerness to let it fly and he looked at it and he was like three of nine well those were open man like <laughs> I think he kind of Without saying it, kind of wanted a little bit more from Scotty in terms of knocking those ones down, but that's not really his game just yet. So maybe it's unfair to ask that of him. That said, him taking nine threes, you can clearly see the absence of OG and anobi in that shot chart, um, you know, coming off the bench they've gotten such great three-point production from the likes of chris boucher and precious achua armani books brooks when he's played he played in this one just five minutes missed his only three even thad young you know he's been taking and sometimes making them when he's gotten them he was zero for one in this one uh and just yeah one of seven combined from the bench heavy three-point usage for for scotty in this one just uh second on the team behind fred Van Vliet, who was is four of eleven and then trent goes three of eight you know they just didn't have enough. There was even one where it swung to Ken Burch in the corner, and it was just like, well, you know this is going to miss, because hes I don't think he's hit a corner three all season at this point. And so, yeah, I mean, Siaka made a work still, even though the guys on the receiving end of his passes weren't necessarily knocking everything down. It wasn't all Pascal passes, right? Like, you know, it's a team effort in terms of the playmaking between him and Van Vliet and even Scotty Barnes, but we know Pascal is the engine that makes this thing run, um, and, and, you know, it, there just wasn't enough in terms of finishing on the other end, and... Wow The Heat don't surrender a whole lot either, right? Like, I wouldn't say that there was like a a steady diet of wide open threes for anyone in this game outside of Scotty Barnes, really. And that seemed more or less by design by the Heat as well, saying, Well, okay, if this guy, the 29% three point shooter, is going to take them all, it's probably fine. Um, you know, with siakam though. again like i said he kind of eased into this one as it went along we saw all the mismatch hunting he's been so so good at this season uh you know in the form of guys like max Strus and tyler hero all getting their just desserts whenever they switched on to him uh pascal had a pretty easy time scoring whenever that was a situation except for late there was a possession where i thought it was kind of wasted when this was in crunch time and the Raptors were kind of Flirting with a fake comeback, it ended up getting really weird and hairy near the end for the Heat. Um, but there was an opportunity that Siakam really had, you know, kind of late in the clock. After it took some time to develop, had a hero on him and didn't really get super deep position, put up a shot that missed. Uh, you know, I, I think most of the time, though, he was really, really excellent kind of hammering those easy mismatches. And then even with Bam on him, he found ways either around it by calling in specific guys to screen for him so he could get those mismatches or just kind of deferring or finding someone else to go and, and kickstart the offense when Bam was really in his face. There weren't too many instances of Siakam really trying to go at Bam And honestly, I think that kind of shows the growth we've seen from Siakam. There are ways against this Heat defense where, you know, they're going to switch basically everything, and Bam is kind of, that's his whole bag, right? He's an incredible switch operator. And in a playoff series, I mean, they would probably find ways to change the orientation, change the matchup, so maybe Bam is the one switching on to Pascal because, you know, maybe they stick a Bam on a Fred or something like that, something crazy to really kind of try to exploit what the Raptors are trying to do there. That's for another day. That's for a second-round series in a few weeks' time maybe. But, um, you know, I I thought Siakam, the thing that, you know, remember back to the bubble, for example, and some of the times where he's really gotten in trouble, it's he'll try to go at, he'll just try to make everything – uh the the nail and he's the hammer and sometimes you need a screwdriver sometimes you need to throw the tools out entirely and not do the hammer and nail thing and he's gotten so good at realizing when there's a matchup that he can't do that for and the bam one i think stood out and he did not go and try to test bam out of bio too many times in this one the times where he did i mean he had some success as well he did score over bam a couple times uh but for the most part he really picked his spots in this one really effectively and ended up not sort of giving away possessions going toe-to-toe with one of the best defenders alive, which I thought was quite smart. And again, kind of speaks to the growth of Siakam. Um, Elsewhere, you know, again, this was a weird game because only like three or four guys actually kind of showed up. The bench was pretty uninspiring. I thought Thad Young had some moments uh, in the fourth quarter playing with those lineups that I've been calling for and that I you know, said the day of the trade, Thad with Raptors starters is going to be maybe the best lineup they have. With no OG tonight, it was really easy to slide him in there alongside uh, Trent and Siakam and Van Vliet and Barnes. And, you know, I I think Thad works quite nicely in those looks. He had seven boards in his 18 minutes. That's really effective rebounding, three offensive boards. And he threw one of my favorite assists of the game so uh, of the season uh, in this one as well, where it was kind of a busted play. Siakam and Barnes were like, really trying to get Siakam onto Hero. He was trying to post him up. It just didn't quite work with the way the, sh- the floor was shaped at the time, and there were too many Heat guys on one side, and it was difficult to get that matchup figured out. It ends up coming to Thad on the baseline, and he whips a hilarious skip pass over to Gary Trent Jr. in the far left corner. He knocks that one down. Uh, You know, it was a a sort of stop and start game for Gary in this one. 19 points on 6 of 13. Some pretty ill-advised shots, uh, I would say, late in this one as well. I don't know if they sewered the Raptors, but it certainly didn't help as they were trying to come back and reel the heat in. Uh, But, you know, Thad was really the only guy that really popped for me off the bench. Boucher tried his best. He put up four threes. He was one of four, uh, three of ten from the field as well. And, you know, he did his rebounding thing. You know, he had a couple of nice finishes. I didn't think Boucher was terribly impactful in this game. And I thought his defense was kind of one of the guys that really kind of left me wanting because he's been so damn good that when he's not at his sort of peak full rotating and, and sort of messing everyone's lives up, Uh, sort of uh zenith he he does become a little bit of a liability and i thought that was kind of the case in this one um you know it it is what it is i'm going to take the larger body of work for chris boucher and say that's probably what to expect next time out and not this but uh certainly not one of chris boucher's best games i would say uh you know and precious achua like i said only 21 minutes played he was uh just one of four from the field could not really i mean he had bam kind of up against him for most of the night You're not really going to go at Bam, and I hope you wouldn't go at Bam, and honestly, maybe that speaks to some growth for Achua as well because maybe at a point in this season earlier, he's going at Bam at at Batabaya without realizing who it is exactly he's up against. Um, But either way, you know, it it just was not a great night from the bench outside of those fad flourishes, I thought. And when you don't have OG, the margin for air is pretty slim, and they just didn't quite have it. You know, Kem Birch did not offer them really anything in this one either, 13 minutes, no points. Uh, It really was Siakam, Barnes, Van Vliet, and then a little bit of Trent and that's just not going to be enough against a really good team in the Miami Heat who are deep. They they ran nine deep in this one and got really effective performances from the bench. 21 from Oladipo, 18 from Hero. Uh, and, you know, like I said, almost a triple-double. It was 18-9-8 and eight from Hero. I misspoke earlier. But, um, yeah, just uh, a tough one for the Raptors. And I think, like, the... The, the, the score should like the box score really tells the story of this one in that the the guys who really lit it up for the Heat in this one were the catch and shoot guys who were benefiting from the uh, lack of discipline the Raptors had going on the defensive end. We're gonna round this one out in just a sec here and talk about the Kyle Lowry tribute and due to the game segment uh, again no real due to the game for the Raptors in this one. Uh, we will talk about that and we will round up the out of town scoreboard and uh, set the stage for what lies ahead in the final week of the season. Raptors can probably rest easy a little bit. Maybe there's some cushion here to rest OG if he needs to rest a little bit more with the thigh contusion. Uh, we'll get to that in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Online, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your sports betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports development, including this week's Masters Championship odds podcasts, and reviews for all the different leagues this season. So you're never making a bet without being fully informed about what it is that you're betting on and what your odds are. Uh, they've also got everything you might need, including live betting, esports, and scores, uh, Vegas casino games. It's all available over there at Bet Online. If you're a baseball fan, the baseball season starts this week. I'm very excited. You all know I love baseball. I would go over to Bet Online right now if you feel like putting a little money on the Blue Jays to win the World Series. Now is the time, baby. They probably have not awesome odds in terms of payoff because they're amazing, but. You can root along and hope that you win a little bit of scratch at the end of the season if the Blue Jays do, in fact, pull it out as they're going to. Uh, Head to the website today, use your mobile device and learn more about the trends and the action at Bet Online, where the game starts.
0: Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there, too. In person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app, State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And we round out your first
2: listen of the day here with the dude of the game. And the dude of the game is one Kyle lowry i mean how could it be anybody other than kyle lowry he was i mean (laughs) this is a night that it's it's hard to put into words just how special it all felt um you know this is the vibe walking into the building like i said off the top It, it really was unlike really anything i've experienced covering raptors games i've covered playoff games i've covered a whole bunch of stuff but this one felt like a celebration in a way that very few raptors nights have um, and I really, you know, I made this point on Friday. I'll reiterate it again. It's not common for a team to part ways with a franchise icon as amicably as the Raptors did with Kyle Lowry. And the like the mutual love and respect between both sides is really special, man. It's not something that you get a lot. And it's going to probably become even further and fewer between as the nba continues on in the player empowerment era which i'm not saying that's a bad thing player empowerment rocks go do what you want to do you have a limited time go make your money wherever you want to make your money and go play basketball wherever you want to play basketball but that is going to leave fewer of these opportunities for franchise icons to be forever entwined with one specific team and look kyle larry could go on and win a title with the heat this season that would be amazing for him if he does. I'll root for that after the Raptors get eliminated, I suppose. But, you know, it's not going to ever be the same as breaking through with that title with the Raptors and everything that went into it, and also what came after it, right? You had the bubble season, which was maybe his best as a Raptor, the sort of free of any sort of worry and any sort of critique season that Kyle had. It was just beautiful. And tonight was just a wonderful combination, and it's the sort of result that you get when you have a good split with a star player. And this is not something the Raptors have been good at, right? Like they shipped off David Stoudemire before his rookie deal was even up because he had soured on the team, didn't like the direction after Isaiah Thomas was, was jettisoned, and he said, get me out of here. So they did. Marcus canby followed soon just after that, um, or might have been before that. It was a very quick turnaround for Camby as well. Not quite the star we're talking about, but still, they have a, a long track record of this type of thing. We know what happened with Vince. Even Tracy McGrady walks, and there was no real sort of inkling that he was even going to stay. Maybe there were some issues with Butch Carter at the time. I don't know. Um, but, you know, the, the Tracy McGrady thing ended on sour terms. And I was there. I, was, I remember being there as like an 11 year old or even younger than that at Tracy McGrady's first game back in Toronto with the Magic. And it was a madhouse. It was angsty. It was mean. It was angry. You get Vince Carter. We know exactly what happened there and how things fell out and how the Raptors certainly did not uh you know didn't help bring Vince Carter back after he started to become a little bit disenchanted. They certainly did not go out of their way to mend those fences, and we know what took place there. Chris Bosch, you know, he was just kind of in the middle of brian colangelo and his get good quick schemes that were ill begotten from the beginning all over the place and he i think rightfully was like you know what i can do better than this and frankly he was right to do so and going to miami after sort of toiling for a little while never really having the proper supporting cast never having uh you know the proper you know just like role within the team he was always miscast as a number one anyway it was always unfair to him that he was kind of the savior of the franchise when it just wasn't really his thing to be that and so you have that whole thing end acrimoniously. Then you have Damar, which of course was necessary in a lot of ways to move on from him. But I'll still always kind of be a little bit upset that they totally blindsided the guy three days after telling him, Hey, you're not getting traded. I mean, yes, I know you have to be secretive when it comes to trades and negotiations and things that are going on, but like you don't have to tell Damar three days before you trade him that you're not trading him, just don't say anything. And then we don't, I mean, I, I think the fandom and like DeMar and the Raptors fan base is never going to have any sort of bad, you know, relationship. There's never going to be bad, bad blood there. Some people might have issues with this player performance or whatever, but that's, you know, I think a minority of the fan base. Most people really love and appreciate what DeMar did, but I don't know if that bridge is ever going to be fixed between Messiah Ujiri and DeMar DeRozan. You know, he'll probably get his jersey retired, but I don't think it's going to feel quite the same as it did tonight with Kyle Lowry, where... He loves the franchise. The franchise loves him back. The fan base obviously adores the dude. And the result of properly managing a star departure is what we saw tonight, where you get the beautiful tribute. I mean, I thought the Raptors nailed it with the way they did it too. I think you normally see these tributes kind of in the first quarter at the first time out. And that only leaves an amount of time for something to actually happen to you. We've seen this with Vince Carter in the past. We saw this with DeMar with his return. But with kyle i mean it's different and so they treated it differently and it was the starting lineups where they really brought him in and did the tribute right like they announced the first four heat starters and then they bring in strizy mark strong the dude who announces the raptor starters the guy who's been announcing the north philly to your city kyle lowry for how many years they bring him in to announce kyle they bring him to center court they play the video it was just a perfect way to execute a tribute like that and again it is the testament to the team and and kyle you know having a you know a, a copacetic into their time together and it's just you know you can see the dna and the team is certainly carried over to what the raptors are now it's present in fred every time he goes and sort of uh, you know melts off to a ref or plays insanely hard when the Raptors are down probably too many points to come back we saw it literally in this game where the Raptors I think were down seven with a minute to go and somehow missed a ton of golden opportunities to either tie or get this game back within shouting distance where it was still possible mathematically and time wise for them to actually win it that's Kyle Lowry stuff man how many times have we seen Kyle Lowry be annoying to another team trying to just seal up a win You know, it's all just kind of there and it's all been imbued. And, you know, Kyle was asked before the game kind of about the idea of Raptors basketball and what was his idea of Raptors basketball when he came. And he summed it up wonderfully in saying that really like Raptors basketball as we know it today is kind of what Kyle and DeMar made it into and, you know, how it's been carried over. It legitimately is so cool that you can see like the passed down wisdom from a guy like Kyle to the guys that are on the team. Now Uh, he obviously is very happy and like appreciative of all those guys as well. He seems to be rooting for them quite a bit. Um, You know, Fred passed Kyle tonight as well for a single season, uh, this single season, uh, three point made record uh, with 239. He had three threes in the first half to pass Kyle with Kyle in the house. Just a really, really cool, tough to achieve type of night. And, And for me, This was really like the last thing the franchise had to do to kind of overcome all of the bad demons of the leaner times from, you know, expansion till about 2013 or so, Uh, you know, having a franchise icon who is unassailable, who is going to be asked to come back and wave to the crowd for the rest of time. There's not going to be the Kevin Garnett and and Wolves acrimony you have there. There's not going to be even like Ray Allen with the Celtics, even though that wasn't sort of his main team. There's still some acrimony going on there um, because he went to the heat in the middle of like those teams being at their peak. Maybe that's fair. You know, it's hard to get that. And the Raptors got it tonight and like job well done to everybody involved. Kyle, the front office, everything quibble with how, you know, Kyle ended up departing and, you know, the deadline last season, should he have gone then blah, 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 blah um you know i i think the way it all happened is you know especially with the way precious achua is playing has kind of proven that you know the raptors did pretty all right and the way that they prioritized kyle's happiness above all during this whole process we you know whether it was at the deadline last season going into the offseason sign and trade season whatever it was the way that the raptors prioritized and made it so all right we are not getting this one wrong this is the star split that we have to nail They did 100%, and they deserve a lot of credit for that, as does Kyle for playing ball on his end as well. So those are my final thoughts. Uh, Just due to the game, Kyle Lowry, just a beautiful, beautiful night. And honestly, don't really care that the Raptors lost this game in the grand scheme because no one's going to remember the final score of this one. They'll only remember those five or so minutes where the crowd and Kyle Lowry were kind of having that reciprocal love being shared. It was really, really special. Maybe I'm being too mushy about this. I don't think I am. Um, We're going to wrap it there real quick, but first just want to give you a bit of a heads up on what the standings look like now. So tonight the Cavaliers lose a close game, maybe a controversial game to the Sixers, and that leaves the Cavaliers now with 36 losses of the season. They have three games left to go. And that leaves the Raptors now at uh, 45 and 33. They are three games up in the loss column. They have four games to play, obviously. They are tied now with the Chicago Bulls, with the loss tonight, too. We know the Bulls at the tiebreak, but the Bulls finish their season with the Bucks, the Celtics, the Hornets, and the Wolves. The Raptors finish with the Hawks, the Sixers, the Rockets, and the Knicks. I'm gonna say the Raptors have a bit of an easier road here. So that fifth seed still very much. In play, The fourth seed probably not really in play now. The Sixers winning tonight with the Raptors loss does make it pretty tricky. There are 48 wins now. The Raptors uh, are going to have to win out to get to 49, and I don't see the Sixers losing out. Uh So even if the Raptors do get the tie break, they'll need the Sixers to only win one more game, and uh that is tough. Like <laughs> just It's just going to be tough to overcome. They have a pretty easy schedule down the stretch. I think they play the Pacers twice. They have the Raptors on their schedule too, um, so the Raptors have a little bit of the say in this one, but I don't think the four seed dream is happening happening it was always a long shot anyway that said the six seed seems like at least where the like that's the lowest Raptors are going to fall here uh, again, they only need two more wins. The magic number is two. It's two wins or a combination of two wins and two – or a win and a Cavs loss. We know how magic numbers work at this point. Any combo of uh, two Raptors wins or Cavs losses gets the Raptors at least guaranteed a sixth seed, and they still, I think, have the inside track at five to, uh, just based on how the schedules are looking down the stretch here. Raptors go three and one. Bulls go two and two. Boom, boom, Raptors are five. They're probably playing the Sixers and the four or five, and that will be one – spicy meatball that we will dig into if and when the time comes but that's where you're at i, I think the fears of the six of falling below the 16 into the plane are probably just about done and uh, it's going to take a disaster really for the raptors to be in that situation the calves are also injured as hell and keep losing games and they don't have a very easy schedule down the stretch either so i would say that you can rest easy knowing that this loss will not tangibly affect things at all the raptors are pretty much in the same spot they were coming into this, into this one as they were uh or coming out of this one as they were going in except with the added knowledge that the calves have another loss of their ledger and that certainly helps matters quite a bit if you're the Raptors. Anyway, we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, Sorry if the audio was a little bit uh, lower than typical standard on today's show, but hopefully it's worth it. You have this beautiful blue backdrop of the Foster Hewitt Media Gondola behind you and the sounds of the arena offering ambient noise, and that's fun too. So thank you very much. We'll be back again on Tuesday. Vivek Jacobs is going to hop in for his usual weekly spot, and we will talk all about the Hawks game coming up Tuesday. We'll talk about the last week before the postseason as well, some storylines we're keeping an eye on, And then, of course, a busy week. We'll break down the Hawks game Wednesday. They take on the Sixers on Thursday. They got the Rockets Friday. So we'll have plenty of game action to talk about here on the podcast. Thank you, as always, for making us your first listen today. Go make your second listen. Locked on NBA, they're covering the league as a whole, top to bottom. They're doing a wonderful, wonderful job each and every night. Go check out Locked on NBA to get caught up on what you might have missed while you were watching the Raptors play, for example, or while you were watching the Kyle Lowry tribute video for the 500th time and not watching NBA basketball. They got you covered over there on Locked on NBA. Go subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Same deal with Locked On Raptors. You can go to all the podcast apps and subscribe there. You can also go to YouTube and hit the big red subscribe button. And that is very much appreciated. With that, we will let you go there. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Bye-bye.